Hello, this is Martin McKay. And this is Chris John Riley. And we would like to welcome you to the official podcast for the 30th Annual FIRST Conference being held in Kuala Lumpur, June 24th through 29th, 2018. For more information, go to www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. Martin and Chris here again today, and we are talking to Rob McMillan, who is a pioneer in the instant response field and gave today's keynote session on how to avoid having a really bad day. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm having a fantastic day. So your talk was about instant response and the responsibilities. What does that look like today? And being a pioneer, how has that really changed in the last 30 years? There's a much brighter light shining on incident response teams now than probably ever before. There's been a few factors that are behind that, one of them probably being an elevated awareness at board and senior executive level around the potential consequences associated with uh, cybersecurity breaches, both the business consequences, regulatory consequences, social consequences and others. Also the increase in sophistication of the attack methodologies and attack tools, notwithstanding the fact that incident response teams have got better tooling than they've had in the past, but the increase in the sophistication with the bad guys uh, has increased. And then finally, as I was alluding to just a second ago, the potential for consequences, uh, as bad as it is now, could, could get a lot worse in future. So incident response teams are dealing with pressures now related to scrutiny from above, the impact of mistakes, the speed of attack, the absence of, en- of enough people to fill the roles. Like every other part of IT, there aren't enough people available to do incident response very well. So moving forward, if there's not enough people to, to cover what's needed now, how's that going to look like in, in another three, five, ten years? It seems like we're on a losing path. If we continue on as we are right now, we can increase tooling and automation, but we're going to need a magnificent amount of people in order to make that happen. What's the future look like? Well, I suppose we'll have to get more operationally efficient. One of the other issues around the lack of people is the fact that there are audiences involved or participants involved in the incident response process that we haven't traditionally involved before. So if you think about uh, a large financial services institution or a hospital or you know, a logistics company, the people involved in making the decisions about how to respond to an incident, it's a much broader set of people than before. It's not just an IT process that we've had to worry about before. It might have had an IT instigated through an IT problem, but the business impact has to be assessed and managed by the people who are going to own that impact. So effectively, you know, business process owners or product managers. The legal people have to get involved. Your, when it becomes a media circus, the PR people have to get involved. The people at the call centres are going to have to deal with worried customers. So it's not just about the, the core practitioners. 
It's it's also about the other people who don't do this as part of their normal day job and getting them prepared for what this is going to look and feel like in real life if and when it happens to them, which means there's also a training component that probably hasn't happened before. You know, when we were doing incident response 25, 30 years ago, it really was an IT type process and it was, you know, geeky people um, with very questionable fashion sense uh, but terrific technical knowledge who were dealing with this, but that's not the case anymore. It's a much broader set of people who have to respond um, and have to be trained and have to get used to what this is going to feel like when, when it happens. So what's it going to look like in three to four years' time? Look, probably much the same as it, as it looks now, I think. Uh, you know, the IT industry is suffering from um, a lack of talent. Uh, and by that, mean I, I, by that I mean not enough people, not like clueless current people. So, um, you know, may, maybe more engagement with the universities, maybe cross-training people from other, from other disciplines. You know, all the sorts of things we're trying to do now, that's probably going to continue for a number of years yet, I think. Um, but with the potential for greater consequence for security incidents, there's no choice but to get a broader set of people able to deal with the consequences of the incident. Well, Chris and I definitely qualify for the questionable fashion sense part of this. Um, you mentioned earlier management and how we're we're being much more involved with management now. But what does that really mean to you? What did it look like thirty years ago, and and what do we still have left to do for the next five or ten years? Well, thirty years ago, uh, I guess it was a process that most organisations hadn't prepared for. And it was, as I said, buried in in an IT function. Nowadays, organisations don't really have an excuse for not having prepared. And that that has several impacts. I mean, there's the obvious one, which is, you know, preparation of incident response plans and all that sort of stuff. And and arguably investment in detection and response. So there's a there's actually a really interesting mindset change that's had to happen. And that one's, that's probably only happened, I suppose, the last 10 years or, or, or so, which is if you say 10 or 20 years ago, if you, if you were to talk about investment in detection and response capability, there was an unspoken subtext there that this was an acknowledgement that your defences may fail. You know, and that's not a pleasant thing to have to do because then people say, well, aren't you the guy supposed to be preventing that failure? Whereas now there's an appreciation that incidents are inevitable for most organisations. And so whilst we're going to defend to the best that w- extent that we can from preventing an incident happening, um, we also have to have some investment in the detection and response capabilities. And that might mean investments in technology. It might mean a lot of um, process engineering. Uh, it might mean training of, of staff and so forth. Um, and the other thing it means too is that organisations have to be a lot more pragmatic about preparing for specific types of incidents, understanding what their key risks are, working on the basis that, well, all right, if things are going to happen, we need to have some idea about what those eventualities are, what the potential business impact is. And for those that might have any any impact that's of some significance, whether it's you know a material impact or even just some level of significant impact, we need to have an understanding of what those risks are ahead of time and be prepared for them. 
One of the things you said while on stage that really kind of struck me is the need to have a greater understanding of the metrics that mean something to the management, to the board of directors, and, and what are the things that they consider to be a significant incident. Do you see that that's changed significantly over the last 30 years? Yes, I do. I think probably at that level, there's always been an understanding of what materiality might be. But the relationship between a cybersecurity incident, if I can use that cybersecurity term, the relationship between a cybersecurity incident and a material business impact, that's been an evolution that's occurred over you know, the last period of time. And that's been an evolution, not just at that board level, but also it's, it's occurring now with the security practitioners. Some security practitioners do understand that um, at a deep level. Other practitioners sort of know in the pit of their gut there's a relationship there, but they don't really understand the nature of that relationship. And that's, so that's the learning challenge for them. So I think, I think uh, it's not just the IT industry, but operational risk managers, uh, senior executives, board members, we're all on... We're all on a bit of a learning journey, if I can coin a phrase, and we're all seeking to have very similar or the same knowledge, but we're attaining that same knowledge from different viewpoints historically. So one of the things you were also talking about in your presentation was knowing where your data is and really kind of understanding where all the valuable data is in your organization. Do you think that we've progressed on those baseline kind of things? Is, is We spend a lot of time doing the flashy stuff, doing, doing the amazing kind of highly technical work. But as an industry, we've historically not done particularly well at just doing the basics right. And I, I still don't see a lot of companies fixing that, even though it should have been fixed years ago. Well, there's human nature for you. Um, you're right. The, the the basics will never le- the need for the basics will never leave us. And yeah, the the if you look at incidents even now, um, how many times do you hear this exploits a vulnerability that we knew about six months, twelve months ago, for which a patch has existed for three months or six months, and so forth? This is a recurring problem that will never leave us. Now, why do we keep repeating those mistakes? Sometimes it's because we ignore history. Uh, sometimes it's because we just don't do what we should and other times it's because there are very valid reasons to make a trade-off and you might have a bet the wrong way but but you were given a trade-off and you had to take a stand so knowing where all your data is I think it's harder now a lot harder now than it ever used to be you know when I was when I was a a young good-looking fella you could go down into the quote-unquote machine room and you could say, look, that's where our data is. It's sitting on that very big machine sitting in the corner with the, uh, with the cooling systems. You can't do that anymore. The, your data is sitting on a bunch of mobile devices, half of which are beyond your control. It's sitting out in some cloud service somewhere, and you maybe or maybe not, probably not know where the physical servers are located. It gets to be really important to understand where the data is flowing. And yeah, we've, we've known that for a long time, Um, We probably, you're right, as an industry, we probably haven't done a good enough job of it. And now it's a harder job than it is before. So we might well be faced with this situation for quite some time yet. Maybe that it's a good thing. It keeps us all in a job. Well, we've been talking to Rob McMillan, who is a pioneer in the instant response field. And thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
Welcome. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 30th Annual First Conference in Kuala Lumpur, held June 24th to the 29th, 2018. For more information, please check www.first.org. Thank you and have a good day.